So that was a whole thing that we just did. Uh, we, I guess, we're welcome to Super Duper Stitches, the paranormal podcast that is just starting now and has not been recorded already today. Well, that makes it sound like we're recording this episode a second time. Oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> then never mind. And hello <laughs> and welcome back. My name's Wyatt. I'm Jake, and we take a look at the strange from the world of the scientific. Yes, indeed. And uh, this is actually the final installment of our very special August Around, Around the World, world. Uh, where we're going to the, uh, I believe it's called the Below Underneath? Yeah, the uh, continent that flipped upside down. That's right. Australia. The land beyond time. <laughs> and uh, I believe you go first. I think that's accurate. I can't talk. But first... It's time once again to break out the old NCAA machine and turn on the patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk function. Mm-hmm. We love our patrons supporting the show. At patreon.com slash superduperstitious. And in return for their services, among all the other perks, we want to help them stay safe out there, basically, in exactly. the wide world. And uh, avoid certain cryptid creatures that may or may not lurk around every corner. And using this particular uh, evil computer, we're able to actually <laughs> directly link our minds, by which I mean plug our brains into it, and determine for each of our patrons exactly which cryptid out there matches them and is the one they most need to be aware of. And so with that very clear premise in mind we will now plug the machine into our brains we should turn it on first here oh yeah yeah i think never I plug it in first and then turn it on I, we tried I it once and uh and not good let me just tell you they had to put my head back together that's right a lot of duct tape a lot of duct tape all right let's flip it on here there it goes mm. Ooh, it's, uh, surprisingly chilly today yeah it's actually making the whole room very cold <laughs> oh well, I guess it's fine since I did have to turn the AC off so we could record, but I... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that this machine is here, <laughs> making it cold now for us. It's so cold. We'll plug it in now. All right. Yep. Stick it in. Oh. I didn't even 30. feel it. Yeah. You want to go I first? feel strong, though. You feel strong. Would you like to take it away there, Mr. Shell? Yes. All right. So, David from Philadelphia, friend of the show, good friend of mine. We go back to college. Often... <laughs> Often go to college. I ran out of words. David, please, please be on the lookout for. Let me see here. Oh, the behemoth. <laughs> I suppose likely impossible to spot without warning. So, right off the bat, you are welcome. <laughs> yes, as we all know, the behemoth is a giant land monster in Jewish literature and also mentioned in the Bible. To that end, I'll hand it off to Job to give you the rest <laughs> of the warning, which is, quote, Behold now, behemoth, which I made with thee. He eateth grass as an ox. Lo now, his strength is in his loins, oh. and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. 
Surely the mountains bring him forth food where all the beasts of the field play. He lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and fens. The shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook compass around him. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. He taketh it with his eyes. His nose pierceth through snares. I like the idea of this being how Job spoke back in the day. <laughs> the that was cadence. recording. Yeah. And recording. Thanks, Job. Thanks, Job. It is also important to note that the store many people uh, may find very good deals at is Ocean State Job Lot. <laughs> Um, so, yes, some people argue that the the behemoth (laughs) was a hippo, rhino, or elephant, but other disagree, pointing out that hippos, rhinos, and elephants do not moveth his tail like a cedar, (laughs) as described, having relatively small tails. Ha ha, thanks cryptids, I mean, NCAA pander function. (laughs) Good luck, David, and thanks so much for your support. Very good. Well, that seems like very useful advice across the board there. I am going to be focusing in on dearest Brendan of Burlington, Vermont, a very good friend of mine. hey From back in college as well. What are the chances? We should all just go back to college. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Brendan, you need to keep one or more eyes out for the Kaijin. What? The name means literally sea man in Japanese. Hmm. And it is a sea monster mentioned in the books of the Edo period. Edo. Edo. According to, the, to a Japanese Materia Medica, he was almost close to a man. In addition to chin hair and eyebrows, between the fingers and limbs is a description of some skin. He ate food and drank, but never spoke. Hmm. Uh, in addition to these features, there was probably a flap of skin around the waist, and they Ooh. could live for only a few days on the ground after coming up from the sea. One theory suggests that it was a sea lion or seal. Many Japanese legends say that uh, Kaijin-sama is a kaze-kame, a species of god of the winds, and it appears inside the clouds in a purple cloud, taking sacrifices in every village to calm down the winds. Jesus. I also do have uh, this drawing of what it might have looked like. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, mm. impressive and terrifying. <laughs> looks like me after I get drunk and fall into a garbage bag, pretty much. <laughs> every time. Every single time. <laughs> uh, so... Brennan, if you're in Japan and it gets windy and or you are near or on the sea and see a man fish with lots of extra skin, make a sacrifice. Doesn't matter who. Mm-hmm. That is our advice for you. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Thank you. For Thank you very much for your support. Yes. If anyone out there is still wringing their hands or wanting to know what beast will come their way, fear not. We will get to you guys soon enough in upcoming episodes. If you're a patron of the show at any level at all exactly um yeah truly any level at all if you want to slide us even pennies <laughs> no i should say that <laughs> i think a dollar is the minimum yeah, that you're allowed to do i just but didn't want to be so desperate as to be like oh please give us your money um, but seriously please give us your money <laughs> <laughs> so i think um with that said we can just uh pull these out of our old brains yep okay it's it keeps coming it's still coming. Oh, jeez. There it is. Okay. Whew. That it's was like me... good. Several cubits of, of cord <laughs> came out there. Mine just came right out. Huh. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about that now. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's fine. I 
feel like I put more in than I took out. And that is also worrying. a little bit worried. Well, see what happens next time. Yeah. All right. Well, Wait. it was real. <laughs> I think it's time to jump in now to the main story. Let's go to Australia. Hey-o. Down under. <laughs> I've been there a few times. Time I haven't to go been back there any times, and I'm very upset about it. <laughs> I've been so many times. How many times? Did you? <laughs> My mama's so fat. <laughs> no, no, no. This is getting too crazy. Um, Who's up first? Is it me? You. It's me. Okay. Take it away, Jake. So I have some more shit from our paranormal because finding ghost experiences is much harder than finding creature sightings in places. Found a lot of really great cryptid stuff. We've done cryptid stuff in Australia before, so this time we're trying to do you know, something a little different from that. Yeah, it was real. So this is a story by... Uh, Big hyphen mistake three. Oh boy. <laughs> Big mistake. And goes oh, by the title of uh, Potential Lifelong Haunting. Ooh. So this is my first time ever posting to Reddit, so please excuse any shitty newbie mistakes. My mother was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I need to describe what has happened <laughs> before my eyes. <laughs> For no discernible reason. Why it just overhand, like backhand, I don't know what you described that move, but the trick, wait, so, hold on, I need to take a picture of this exact thing happening. All right, ready? Should we get the beginning? Should I just do a video of it? Yeah. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I think it looks so graceful that time. <laughs> Whereas before, it was just this very, like, your eyes and lips were all, like, stretching towards the glass um, yep. while you were holding the glass effectively upside down over your shoulder. Anyway, a story about a thing. Um, my mother was pregnant with another child before I was born. She'd taken a few pregnancy tests that came back positive and had a blood test by a doctor to confirm. An ultrasound was booked for a few weeks in advance to check development and approximate time along. Uh, my mother and father were in the process of moving house a few days later, and my parentheses asshole of a father uh, made her help carry and push a chest freezer onto a trailer. Remember back in the days of chest freezers? Those things are not practical. Mm-hmm. Especially because my head is really the part that gets so hot. <laughs> uh, my father was on the trailer, lost his footing, and the freezer had fallen directly onto my mother's stomach. She had cramping, Ugh. and she had cramping and bleeding, and went to the doctor, who confirmed through ultrasound that she had miscarried the child. Oh, no. About a month later, she was still experiencing pregnancy symptoms. Went to the doctor who, through a blood test and pregnancy test, confirmed she was pregnant. Hmm. Because there was a small chance that the previous pregnancy's hormones were still present, they did an ultrasound and found little old me. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. <laughs> from there, the pregnancy went smoothly, and I came out about two weeks later than I should have. There's a fair bit of deliberation that I was the twin of the child that my mother lost. The timelines don't really match up, and the ultrasound that was taken after the incident didn't detect anything living, so I'm not sure on that one. But anyway, uh, I was a terrible child. Absolutely horrible. Hmm. All I did was cry, and I know that's pretty typical of infants, but I mean constantly. Even while being fed, I would cry. It wasn't just normal crying. I screamed. Screamed like I was being murdered. The police were called on multiple occasions because neighbors suspected abuse. I screamed so intensely that I permanently damaged my own ears, and I'm now half deaf in one ear. I also damaged my mom's ears, um, her best friends, and my grandmother's. She's just like a, um, what wow. was call a mandrake? Yeah. Um, just killing people with her screams. Wait, what was the name again? Huh? Of this person? Yeah. Big mistake, but with the three for an E. I wonder if they don't mean big mandrake. <laughs> 
Um, I have a sister who was six years older than uh, older, and I hated her so intensely that it actually worried my parents. The screaming only got worse when she would come home from school. Hmm. Never actually elaborates on why she was screaming. If she ever found out why, like I know when I was little, I was so miscarriages are such a common tragedy yes. and but yes. a deeply traumatic thing to go through that no one really talks about. It's yeah, which is one really of the weird. most common yet under conversed, I guess, whatever. Yeah. It's really very, very yeah tough to go through. Between very much so. between my sister, episode forty five, you want to hear her ghost stories of our house. It's a good uh and me, my parents miscarried two baby boys before I came along. A similar story on my side. It was just very rough for my mom to go through. So when she was finally pregnant with me, she was so worried about, you know, losing a of third course. that uh talking to the doctors and late eighties doctors didn't have the best advice compared to modern doctors. They're like, Are you drinking enough vodka? <laughs> They had her go on a bunch of antibiotics, oh, boy. which meant I was born with pretty much no gut flora. <laughs> so I was super colicky for the whole first like while of my life and just like crying all the time because I was in constant intestinal pain. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that could get me to sleep as a result was like the sound of a vacuum cleaner running <laughs> um, or, or car rides. And to this day, I still, I mean, I think it's common for a lot of people to, um, to prefer white noise to go to sleep, but also car rides still put me to sleep. Especially when I'm driving, actually. No, <laughs> no if it's a long car ride, I'm a passenger. It's very hard to stay awake. Right. And uh, yeah, white noise helps me sleep. My parents burnt through like several vacuum cleaners just to just to get me to sleep, <laughs> like, leaving That's it running. So intense. Yeah. What um, a high energy use machine as well. Did yeah. fans never work then? I guess when I were don't kid? know. I think it was just a deal where it was something that happened while my mom and was vacuuming. Like, I fell asleep. God. That's working. Okay, just do that. Just. Which addled I, with months of sleep deprivation I by that can't point. I'm sure how hard it was to go through. Yeah. Ugh. So fuck yeah. you, Jake. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I poop real good now, so that's great. <laughs> there you go. It's a veritable jungle down there. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, the gut flora. The okay. gut flora. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> not your yes. butt. Inside of my intestines. So yes. many. Yeah. Okay. I guess I should have said in there. Yes. <laughs> Down, down under in. there. Yes. Okay. And tying it back in. Uh, I, um, so. Australia is the gut flora of the <laughs> earth. No. Anyway, cut that part out. Go on. <laughs> uh, I would be in the middle of acting like I was being murdered and then stop completely out of nowhere and focus on a non-existent object and be completely calm. Super screamy child, but something would make her just stop and she'd like focus on this thing Ghost. in the room. Uh, my parents thought I was defective, but alas, no defect. <laughs> I was, I was found, so they put uh, put up with me and could never pinpoint what randomly consoled me. As I grew up, the screaming got less frequent, and by 12, I was, no, and by 2, I was developing completely fine <laughs> and acting like a normal baby. <laughs> um, then at around 3 or 4, I started talking about an imaginary friend. Pretty typical for 4-year-olds, and considering my uh, circumstances, I don't think anyone would be surprised. Excuse me, mom and dad just had another baby. So it wasn't the center of attention anymore. My older sister was 10, and at that stage, too cool to hang out with me anymore. At 3, I started kindergarten a year early uh, due to issues and class numbers. I grew up in rural mm. northern territory, Australia, so not an abnormal thing. I've been put up a grade about three months in due to being seen as a gifted child and constantly complaining that kindergarten was too easy. Mm-hmm. Brag. <laughs> um, so I was four. I was about to say, I feel that. My parents pulled me out of public school because I was like, this shit's boring. And didn't put you in any other school after that. They pulled me out. They threw me in a dark room. <laughs> and I learned everything. <laughs> that there was to know. <laughs> Go on. Um, 
<laughs> so I was four with kids that were five and having a hard time making friends in a class of probably eight people. This wasn't an easy feat. Spelled F-E-E-T. Gifted. <laughs> the issue with this imaginary friend started a few months later. I had very in-depth, uh, very in-depthly described this little girl. Okay. Long brown hair, blue eyes, very pale, and always wearing a light pink and white dress that resembled what a child would wear during a christening. Very ruffled, long, covered in lace, and quite old-timey. I drew pictures of her, referred to her as Jessie, and was constantly talking about slash to her, demanding a place to be left for her at the dinner table and dinner table, and retelling stories that she had told me. Hmm. Things got weird when family member when family members started seeing this exact girl in our house. Ooh, it started with my father, who often stayed up late and would catch things under the corner of his eye or hear a child running up and down our hallway. After several months of this, my mother claimed to experience the same thing when awake early in the morning or up late at night. This is never disclosed to us kids, only what I have heard them uh, from them since getting older. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the kind of lead you should deliberately bury, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, as far as for a reveal at the end but uh yeah right uh, this continued for several years with both my parents reporting seeing a child in a big fluffy dress running down the hallway seeing a little girl with long brown hair peek at them p-e-a-k at them through windows and hearing a child's footsteps when we were all falling asleep or when we were all long asleep the imaginary friend obsession lasted until i was about eight or nine i distinctly distinctly remember how it ended my mom and I had gone to a local fish and chip shop to get some lunch for the family. Mm. The main street on the town had a big meridian strip down the middle of it. It was considered a major highway as our town was essentially a glorified road stop. The fish and chip shop was on the left side of the strip, and we had parked on the right so that mom could, uh, mom could speak to some guys on the right side who owned a tire shop about her car. We had finished with that and walked over to get the food. I remember Jesse being with me. We were both excited to go to the fish and chip shop as they had some arcade games that mom often sacrificed a few dollars, uh, dollar coins for. Once we had our food, we started walking back to the car. We got to the road, and Mum, of course, told me to stop and wait. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Jesse continue to walk, and con- consequently being run over by a large semi-truck. It wasn't a blood and guts everywhere kind of <laughs> thing. More so, the truck hit her, and she disappeared. I then said, Mum, Jesse just died. That truck hit her, which my mom also remembers. Hmm. She said that she would be fine and come uh, that she would be fine and would come back to play later. Mm-hmm. She never did. I don't ever remember seeing her as an imaginary friend after that. What? I never spoke of her again, and she was quickly forgotten by me. Something I do remember is the magic dying as soon as she did. Playing with toys was once an amazing thing that completely enchanted me. I would be immersed in a completely different world, and hours would pass in a second. Ever since she, quote-unquote, died, the magic wouldn't work anymore. I couldn't get into my favorite Barbie sagas. It just didn't work. It was completely heartbreaking, and I remember sitting there and crying for hours because I thought I had grown up and had realized that I had lost something that I genuinely cherished doing. Without Jesse, it just wouldn't work. My older sister and I shared a room. The house had been renovated before we moved in. It was previously a two-car garage that offered internal access to the house had been converted into another bedroom. Our room directly adjoined to, um, directly joined to this room, which was primarily used as a storage room as none of us wanted to sleep in there. It was much colder than the rest of the house, despite living in a desert and not owning a jumper even during quote-unquote winter. Usual seasons weren't even considered. We just had a wet and a dry season. Mm. Uh, you would need a heater to sleep in there comfortably. Now, this would be... An, um, now, this could easily be an insulation thing, considering it was a garage, but this room was colder inside, inside than it ever was outside. The weird thing about this room was that, rather than a door, it was just an archway into it. Hmm. Therefore, you would expect the cold to go into our bedroom, but it was never cold in our bedroom. It only got cold when you crossed the border into the storage room. <laughs> and anyway, a lot of lead up to the, the temperature dynamics of that particular room. Yeah, I wonder what they're setting up here. Um, one night, my sister and I were both asleep. 
It's about one in the morning, based on what my parents recall. I was about 11. My sister was 16 to 17. We got hot in the room. <laughs> Our beds were right next to each other, perpendicular to the archway, and I refused to sleep without a lamp on, so the room was semi-lit. I remember waking up. We had both fallen asleep facing each other, and I saw she was awake and crying. Ooh. The air was weird. Not staticky, dark, and cold, like often described, uh, often described as people say having weird experiences, but peaceful and warm. Ooh, it did get hot in there. Yeah. A chair beside her bed had a a figure sitting on it, and the figure was stroking her from her shoulder down to her legs. Ooh. A very obvious hand moving moving along her body. A figure with long brown hair and a pink and white frilly dress on. Hmm. I screamed, and my mom came running into the room, turning the light on because the shadow, um, causing the shadow to completely disappear. Hmm. We were both too terrified to sleep, and mom brought us out to the lounge room with her and my father, who were both still awake, to calm down. We explained what had happened, and probably against what parents should have done, they went ahead to tell us the stories of this little girl that they had seen since I had, uh, since I had been born, long before I'd ever mentioned my imaginary friend. My sister then admitted to often waking up and seeing the little girl looking over me while I slept, but said that it had never interacted with her and had always promptly disappeared whenever she saw it. Wow. She didn't want to say anything because she knew that she was far too old to believe in such things and didn't want to be ridiculed by my parentheses asshole of a father whoa 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 whoa, whoa. second second uh, usage of that particular description of him following that my parents swapped rooms with us and life moved on but the dialogue had been opened we often discussed when we saw her we all described her as looking the exact same way saw her doing the same things and all had the same response from her we knew that she didn't want to hurt us she was playful and wanted to be included in the family as time went on, we all continued to see her, and it became kind of an ongoing joke in the family, as weird as it sounds. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, them creating countless setups whose punchline <laughs> is uh, the soul of a small child being trapped <laughs> with them forever. Yeah, and finding it hilarious yeah. for some reason. <laughs> I uh, know, exactly. As time went on, my older sister left home. Uh, we sold the house, moved to the opposite side of the country. It snows here. Uh, moved house about four times, going from owning a home to renting in a hostile housing market it was tough. My parents divorced as my father grew increasingly abusive towards us. We moved out oh with my mother and changed house about three or four more times. I moved out and dealt with all the normal ups and downs of life. Through all of that, the spirit stayed with us. Oh. Well, with me in particular. As I hit teenage years, anxiety and depression got the better of me for about five years. Every time I got to the point of contemplating suicide, which happened more than I cared to reflect on, mm. I could feel that same warmth, peacefulness, and always knew that things would get better. It would change in an instant. One second, I would be the most depressed that I thought someone could possibly get. Then I would feel a strong hand on my shoulder, and the next moment, it was like someone had turned on the sun, and I knew that it would be okay. That's cool. Every time things get difficult, every now, um, even now when I am not depressed but experience the same frustration with life with, like everyone else, relationship problems, car won't start, manager at work is being a dick, I experience the same thing, a strong hand on my shoulder, and someone turning the sun up a bit brighter for me. So Jesse's a little girl with man hands. <laughs> Throughout all these years, even today, I still see her. A head poking through a window, a little girl peeking through doors, and children running up and down hallways. Though, uh, through every move, she has always found me and shown herself to me after a few weeks or months. She also has a dirty habit of hiding things from me and then not turning up till I politely request them back. Hmm. Right now, I'm waiting for my favorite leggings to turn up. Last month, it was a ring from my boyfriend. I've been missing a hairbrush for about three months, but that, might, but that one might be me. Regardless, does anyone have any similar experiences? I'm not upset about her follow, um, following me around and actually consider her a blessing as she's always there to help me. Any ideas of what she might be? Or is it all just in my head? I would love some thoughts. Thanks, guys. Aw. Yeah, so 
like yeah, kind of spooky, but also like yeah, kind of nice in the Pretty end. Pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy that. And um, be it actually some kind of strange event or just simply a psychological thing that the family kind of collectively bought into yeah it kind of doesn't matter for me it's just sweet through and through yeah even if it is something that she like said was in my head well if so sounds like it's helping so yeah really great that's awesome as far as the idea like so i was looking i briefly looked into the idea of the psychology behind imaginary friends and the psychology today i think or what was what's the name of the this uh yeah psychologytoday.com just like just advice from psychologists describing different things about imaginary friends and how like oh you know because do it sometimes it can last for a while and it's fine to humor like, it, humor it, and right. like whatever. Um, say so actually even encouraging humoring it a little bit, it's like they'll actually grow out of it. That's fine. I'd be interested in the idea of like if if they were open to the idea of okay, well you're seeing this, whatever, that's fine. We'll humor it and stuff, and then had some weird experiences where they thought they saw, it and then were they had this image in their head. They this like whole mind games themselves. Very very um, clear description and like pictures and stuff from their kid of what this little girl looked like, right. and then imagined that they were starting to see that it could be like oh well that's i'm definitely seeing this now so and then i mean if we take her story as is that they would then sort of wreck on themselves into having thought they'd seen her even before it ever being brought up right right if you think about how early in age it was that she first started describing this uh, this kid it's only a couple of years unaccounted for mm-hmm. as long as they can it's remember, always been it's, here yeah right very easy for that to happen so it could be a deal where it's just it was an imaginary friend, and then it became a bigger, kind a bigger like a, story a for the family, family. A family myth. Yeah, but um, interesting for it to be something that keeps keeps showing up, and absolutely, um, and for everyone to see it throughout all these different moves and stuff. Like, right. yeah, very. Again, it could just be like, oh, we're just so used to this being an idea that we just still see it. Hard to say, but maybe not. Or, or maybe it's just a ghost child. It could be a ghost child, which fortunately was not killed by a truck. Yes, it's got uh, double dead double dead you saw the ghost of the ghost <laughs> um that was really sweet i enjoyed that thank you so before we get on to our next story i'm getting a bit of the itch i know we were just there but dare we do some shadowlands roulette shadowlands roulette refers to an ancient website from the early 90s called the shadowlands.net <laughs> And uh, it is on this site that there are two collections of stories, one from around the world, one from the United States. This is just how the entirety of reality was structured in the 90s. It was the U.S. and them. (laughs) The U.S. and other. And so we will now use these sort of unholy devices that we were able to build slash summon from somewhere else slash appeared one day. Yes that are basically large wheel of fortune wheels right and we spin them <laughs> just yeah, i mean we've gone we've you described them different ways it's hard to really get a good beat What's on a what vertical they, wheel uh the uh, price is right showcase showdown. price is right showcase wheel that's the one i'm yeah, looking yeah. for i always say wheel of fortune that's a more logical way for us for us to have gone with this to begin with but we didn't for some okay. reason right. and it's fine um, <laughs> uh, in order to pick which wheel we spin, we use this giant coin that used to be small, and now it's gigantic and made of bones and meat and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's super evil, and um, <laughs> I'm scared of it, but uh, we're going to flip it. And it's going to be great. We'll decide, determine which wheel to spin. One of us will spin the wheel and read a story from that place. And they are among the scariest stories that I have ever, ever laid eyes on. So let me just flip the coin for you. 
Sounds good. Ended up See, it just slid out from under my bed, which it's I crawling up onto my body. Uncomfortable about everything to do with that. the fact that it was there, the fact that it's on you now. <laughs> uh, and uh, wasn't that the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I do see some ooze around your bed today. Yeah. Flipping it, Ugh. and we are looking at the dreaded wheel of states, my friend. Alrighty, I'm just gonna go ahead, and I guess I'll. I'll hand you my mic. Yep. I'll climb on to get up in that Is it tickling you, Jake? Why are you giggling so much? <laughs> it kind of is this time. Sometimes it, it's kind of a weird, like, internal burning, but this time it's not as much, so... You can have one of the mics on you. No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> I'll just grab a hole and... <laughs> Good spin. I forget which whose mic is whose. I had both mics. Now I have my mic. I think this is my mic. Yes, this is my mic. And it's going, it's going, and it's landing on Kansas. Kansas. All right. Cool. Well, I'll just head on over to Kansas. What's Kansas. Kansas. Ooh, there's a fuckload of stories. There are, and I have landed on. Ooh, this one has a bunch of yellow text for some reason. <laughs> it must be especially scary. Yes. This is in Selena. Not to be confused with our friend, Selena. What up? Who, I don't... I th- I mean, she's doing grad school in, I believe, uh, the Netherlands, but I think she's mm-hmm. actually visiting the U.S. for now. Oh, cool. I noticed, I think she was uh, pretty close by, but didn't come say hi to us, so that's kind of weird. Whatever, Selena. This um, got really high there, Jake. Did it? I didn't notice. Selena, Central High School. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, so it says, uh, <laughs> the Belife, B-E-L-I-F-E. Belife. Oh, the Belife in something? Oh, yeah, okay. The Belife. You've, you've heard of Belifes. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I was just... I Set of Belifes. I wasn't looking at the context. That's why I was mm-hmm. confused. The Belife, it is haunted teacher. <laughs> the identity is not known. Witnesses <laughs> have experienced many noises, footsteps, doors closing, banging, and lights going off and on by themselves. All the third shift janitors carry boom boxes so they cannot hear the noises she makes. Hmm. No one has ever seen her, but everyone has had plan- uh, pranks played on them by her. You know how dead teachers tend to play a lot of they pranks. They love pranks. Um, the haunting was also discussed on AM 1150 radio as one of Selena's famous hauntings. That is one of the scariest radio stations <laughs> as well. Now this is a yellow text. Uh, December 2003 update slash correction. Mm. This one is rather accurate, but the version that the submitter of this correction slash update has heard from many is that it is haunted by a girl that was the lead in a play and killed in a car accident on the way to opening night. <laughs> They would hear scratching on the office windows and pounding on the ceiling and doors. While possibly caused by a spiritual presence, they believe most of the noises are caused by a living presence for the place is plagued with bats that fly through the halls all through the night. Wow. September 2004 update. Holy shit. It's actually said that the girl scene is the girl that had the lead part in a play. She was to clean the red curtains in Selena Central High Auditorium. I'm going to read that again. She was to clean the red curtains in Selena Central High Auditorium. You are to clean the curtains. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) The night of the play, she was in a horrible car accident. The curtains were in her hand. So she was supposed to take them someplace to clean (laughs) to a laundromat, I guess. I wonder if they have a very tiny stage. It was a puppet show, I guess. She was leading a puppet show. That has to be it. 
Okay, that That's explains the only it. Way that because she in my fit. mind, you couldn't physically fit auditorium curtains into a car. Now, nowhere does I'm saying it has to be a puppet show for this to be possible. It must have unless been a puppet she, show. Unless she drives like a large bus. <laughs> but it, in her hands. I guess, yeah, it, it would have had to be. A, we have questions? I mean, I knew a guy in high school who drove a monster truck to school. <laughs> Western Mass is a weird place. But it was a hand-me-down. <laughs> His dad upgraded to a monster truck outback, so. Uh, the curtains In were, her hand. The curtains were returned to the school, and it is said she is seen at night dancing on the stage throughout the, throughout the curtains. But the nights of concerts she is seen backstage with a scowl face. She had long blonde hair and considered very beautiful. She was seen behind the band dancing to the music being played. Slight breeze would grow throughout the stage and curtains would be moved. Dress-wise, <laughs> but scowl, looking at me with scowl face for the last uh, seconds. Backstage face, thank you very much. Backstage scowl face. Looking at me from backstage with a scowl face. Frightening. So very frightening. I don't know what's more frightening, the original idea of the teacher or each of the subsequent updates regarding the student Yes, and the, the fact that not one but two people are perhaps the same person over and over again <laughs> wanted to amend the story <laughs> and the fact that there could be people out there who are so defensive about some ghost story in Selena, Kansas that they're like, no, you got it wrong. She died with the curtains in her hand, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Even though the first update said... She died. Like it was on her way to the show. It's like, no, she didn't just die on the way to the show. She was also holding curtains. She you was idiot. to clean the curtains. You fucking <laughs> asshole. Well, that's that's my story. Should I uh, take this yeah, coin? Yeah, take the coin. <laughs> Seal I my just fate this time. Haul it up onto me here and just kind of, <laughs> I guess, just push it over. <laughs> that's the best flip I can get, and it is on the uh, dreaded wheel of states okay. once again. So I'll take a. Uh, you got your mic. Awesome, thank you. Mm -hmm. Climb up on here. Let me just take. I got both mics now. Here's. I was trying to see if yours happened to randomly smell like a beer we may or may not have had this episode. That, that may, may or may not, not have exploded, exploded all over. All over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That I may or may not be still wearing on some part of myself. Uh huh. All right. Let me let me spin this thing. Let me get up on here. All right. Get off this. Oh, a very mighty spin this oh, show. Thank you, thank you so much. It's going. It's going. Oh, it just suddenly stopped. It's on. Whoa. Montana. Montana. All right. Let's see here. Butte Archives. The old fire station. If you go into the basement there, have been more... Oops. The old fire station, comma. If you go into the basement, there have been over 200 reports of ghost sightings since the archives were started. It's not just a once-in-a-while experience. Every time you go into the basement and into the far room, you can and probably will see a group of old firefighters playing a game of poker on the wall along with a few other roaming spirits. Experiences range from fire alarms going off with no power running to them, from rolling cases slamming together through all throughout the night, to books being hurled across the room. Dig deep, why you can do oh this. Oh my god! <laughs> that was one sentence. No capital. This haunting is definitely not going to be taken lightly, and it I needs more there were, professional there were no investigation. In any of my story at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Also, one of the most peculiar events ever being heard of happening more than once is in a is an respectable elder woman walked into the reading room, and the police report says. 
It felt like they walked into a warm pillow, but when she got <laughs> into the room, it was in fact not the reading room, but a ballroom filled with firefighters in their formal wear. And when the police arrived, the cops said the same thing. It was like walking into a war pillow. And sure enough, <laughs> there was a ballroom. <laughs> and it turned out all of them didn't realize they just walked into a different room than they thought. <laughs> so... Walking into a warm pillow. You know that experience we've all had? I no longer know if it's a warm pillow or a war pillow. <laughs> yes. It changed. Did he mistype the first or the second? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they each had different experiences. One was a nice warm pillow. One was a pillow a of pillow war. A pillow of war. <laughs> the kind of bedding one uses to reinforce the desire to f- confront neighbors. Or maybe use as a weapon of war. I don't know. That's true. Either way, this has been Shadowlands Roulette. (laughs) All right, so my story today is the Hound of Monte Cristo. (laughs) Home of the original creepy crawlies. There sits a most haunted and isolated house on a hill in Juni, uh, New South Wales. Apparitions, strange orbs, poltergeists, and phantom noises are attributed to the tragic history of the historic Monte Cristo homestead. Hmm. But things weren't always so grim. The original owner, Christopher William, quote-unquote, creepy Crawley, (laughs) acquired two parcels of land in Jenny. Let me actually look up how it's pronounced because I don't want to fuck this up for all of our listeners. How's it spelled? J-U-N-E-E. J-U-N-E-E. Jenny, yeah. Jenny. If we if we're wrong, we hear about it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, the original owner. We're not yeah. saying Melbourne or something. Melbourne uh, acquired two parcels of land in Jenny on conditional purchase, one of four hundred acres, one, another one hundred twenty acres, in January eighteen seventy six, under provisions of the Robertson Act of eighteen sixty one. He was one of the sons. Mm. After years of struggle farming and the many privations of regional life in a primitive slab hut, his fortunes changed when the Great Southern Railway line opened in 1878. Mm. Perhaps tipped off the year before, he acquired a license and built the railway hotel opposite the soon-to-be-bustling railway station. At that time, the village consisted of Mr. Crawley's hotel, the adjoining uh, railway store run by George Dobbins, and a few scattered slab houses and bark huts. The township benefited tremendously from the influx of travelers and agricultural trade, fueling the region's explosive growth. (laughs) Crawley's wealth increased dramatically, as did his holdings, acquiring almost the entire area of present-day Jenny at his peak. Mr. Crawley soon became a force to be reckoned with. More than a pillar of society, he became a town founder, his natural generosity and sense of civic responsibility resulted in him being held in high regard by all segments of the community. Hmm. As a devout Roman Catholic, he donated a parcel of land to the church and helped finance the construction of St. Joseph St. Joseph's Church and other important civic projects at a time when government funding wasn't readily available. His hard-earned wealth and newfound social status needed an omnipresent symbol, so Monte Cristo literally Mount of Christ <laughs> came into being. There you go. Should have been Monte Crawley, am I right? Oh. Prior to the construction of the new house in 1884 and 85, the Crawleys lived in a small brick cottage now called the Original Homestead. It was built in 1876 and became the kitchen and servants' quarters of the main house. Envisioned as the grandest home of the region's landed gentry, 
Monte Cristo succeeded in becoming the ultimate status symbol. Like a castle in feudal Europe, it was the center of local power and sat perched high on a hill so its lord could survey his realm from the second floor balcony. <laughs> All five miles of land. <laughs> um, however, it was still a farming property, the nucleus of Crawley family agricultural pursuits, and Mr. Crawley wasn't above getting his hands clean? <laughs> Dirty, just kidding. No price was spared in its construction. Built of sandstock bricks, fired on site, and laid on a dry stone foundation. In over a century, not a single crack has appeared. Hmm. Downstairs walls are 18 inches thick, the upper 9 inches thick, and both made of solid brick. That's a lot of rhyming. The ceilings are 12 feet high, upstairs constructed of cypress pine, milled locally, and downstairs lathe and plaster. The interior plan of the house is simple, with rooms opening off a central hallway, which runs through the house and contains a staircase. For a time, the Crawley family just lived the life. They had seven kids who lived to adulthood. Like 20 that didn't. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mrs. Crawley ruled the house with an, a rod of iron, and with her husband, appeared to be the quintessential Victorian couple. But as was often the case, perceptions were misleading. This is New South Wales, though, right? Yes. So, not really a Victorian couple. No, I know. Staff would later recount stories of harsh mistreatment by their employers, which spawned many of the ominous legends, which persist to this day. William Christopher Crawley died at Monte Cristo on the 14th of December, 1910, at the age of 69, from heart nice. failure. Secondary to blood poisoning caused by a carbuncle on his neck becoming infected from rubbing up against a starched collar, which is the kind of claws you can only find by digging around the Victorian <laughs> era. <laughs> Unfortunately, a carbuncle is not a relative who gives you bread. It is instead a red, swollen, and painful cluster of boils that are connected to each other under the skin and are just gross and apparently can kill you if oh you wear God. very firm shirts. That's real gross. Mrs. Crawley would pass away in 1933, and the Crawley family remained in residence until 1948. After standing vacant for decades thereafter, Reg and Olive Ryan bought and restored the locale in 1963, and it now operates as a museum, antique store, and tourist attraction. Apparently, it's also the focus of a 2012 mockumentary horror called Mirror House, which I badly want to see. <laughs> we should definitely check that out. So, with all that said, there are a ton of spooky tales that have emerged from this place. I just want to confirm. I, I thought that New South Wales was just north of Victoria, and it is indeed. So there you go. So my joke doesn't actually uh, sound as dumb as I thought it might. Oh, have. that's funny. I didn't even get that. Oh, yeah, I was referring to the uh, different state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. the afterward when you didn't react. I was like, am I totally wrong about where that is? No, that was pretty funny. That's pretty funny. No, it was. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to pretend for me. No, I'm not pretending. Um. So right, there's a few spooky tales that go with this place. And I will give you very brief tastes of each because I couldn't find any, anything more in depth. <laughs> um, on the way in, there's a section of staircase that's a different color to the rest. A nearby <laughs> sign. <whole> story. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. The uh, nearby sign details one of the horror stories surrounding Monte Cristo. That at one point, a maid in the house threw herself off or was pushed from the balcony above, dying upon impact on the stairs because she was pregnant to Mr. Crawley. Hmm. Um, right, so she either threw herself off or Mrs. Crawley gave her the old shiv. The mark, it is said, is due to bleach used to get the blood stain out. Oh, dear. And here's a picture of said stare with slight discoloration. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Spooky. Mm-hmm. But of course, bleach was not invented until 1955. <laughs> <laughs> um, A small detail. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know when bleach was made. Uh, In total, 11 people have reportedly died on the property and their spirits, as reliable Australian site Mamma Mia suggests, (laughs) (laughs) have never left. (laughs) In addition to the tale of the pregnant maid, there's the story of a stable boy who died in bed after his mattress was set on fire when he called in sick for work. Wait. (laughs) Oh, you're sick? (laughs) It's like there's an instant mechanism underneath the mattress to, like, if you call on sick, it just triggers. Just sets off. In 1961, a caretaker was shot dead on the property by a boy from town who was inspired by the film Psycho. Not exactly a ghost. And there was also a young boy, sometimes recounted as a baby, who fell slash was thrown to his death down the stairs. A lot of awful, like, baby-related deaths down the stairs. I know, exactly. It's very, very awful. Frightening. <laughs> These spirits reportedly join Miss Crawley in keeping the halls of the property occupied. Quote, we don't have a week go by without someone having a reaction to the house by either fainting, asthma attacks, hearing things, or seeing full body apparitions. Lawrence Ryan, whose family owned the house and operate ghost tours, told The Project, which is from a magazine, in 2015, it's nothing ever bad, and they tend to leave us alone, but they are not keen on visitors being there all the time. Everything from your dress, your mannerisms, or the way you talk can influence Mrs. Crowley. She will either like you or not like you. <laughs> she will either like you or not like you. And if she doesn't is like the... you, she'll push you down the stairs to your death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is the real maiden of the, maiden of the house, exactly. Um, one of the most disturbing stories from behind the mansion's front door involves Harold Steele, the son of a maid who died shortly after giving birth. Harold developed a mental illness after a carriage accident in Jenny, and as a result of his uncontrollable aggressive behavior, he was chained to the back of the cottage for more than 30 years. Are you bored? No, I was going to say, I, um, I looked up, just in case people are curious, <laughs> Chlorine-based bleach was invented in the 18th century. Oh, very cool. Yeah, first in France, they figured out a way. They discovered like yeah, chlorine. They figured out how to make uh, uh, sodium hypochlorite, which became the first commercial bleach. Oh, the Javel. Javel water. Uh, and they use it for doing stuff. So, yeah, bleach was around. Uh, <laughs> I figured it was. I was holding it, just waiting for a chance to just jump in with I that. I wasn't, I wasn't just like scrolling through my phone. From my perspective, Jake was looking at his phone, <laughs> thumbing through... Probably texts, <laughs> looking at the weather for tomorrow, <laughs> and I began to cry. After all those years, he got, oh yeah, so this is a creepy guy, creepy guy, how cruel of me. <laughs> He's so creepy being chained up for what, being 30 years? Being chained up for 30 years, exactly, more than 30 years. Quote, after all those years, he got dreadlocked hair and used to howl in the night. Huh? Mr. Ryan said maybe he was some kind of loop guru. <laughs> Call back to last week's episode. Also, a couple hours ago. <laughs> Nobody knows that. Locals in Juni thought there was a monster <laughs> chained up in the house, and kids would go and search for it. Harold would Sounds growl. Sounds kind of like uh, Glom's Castle. Yes, it does. Good callback to episode... 30, I want to say? Something like that. Now, that's what I call Spooky Spots 2018. <laughs> Which was our version of this then. Harold would growl and hiss at them like an animal. The end. People still hear these sounds. People still hear, still hear those sounds at night, says one of the Ryans. 
Mr. Ryan said that those who opt to stay the night in the servants' quarters following a candlelit ghost tour either get, quote, the best sleep of their life or no sleep at all. (laughs) Some people don't make it through the night and drive into town and stay there. They wake up seeing children or spirits of the servants, he said. And some people, well, some people never wake up again. (laughs) Jesus Christ. People just die there. I think that's an attraction, you know? Some people, they just die here. He's like, and this place is fuller than ever before. I may have added that part. Lawrence's parents, (laughs) Olive Ryan and her late husband, Reg, purchased the property in 1963. We already know that. One of their first experiences with the home was when the entire house caught fire. Pretty much was lit despite not having electricity. Oh. But they were just throwing a big old party, am I right? That's how the kids use that term now. It always (laughs) felt like something was watching me, Lawrence told the project of growing up in the house. I've had a hand on my shoulder, Olive Ryan added. I've had my name called when I've been here by myself. It's nothing to hear footsteps on the balcony and you go out and there's no one there. Okay, so you get the picture, Jake. Um, <laughs> what do you make of it? Uh, really stupid sandwich. <laughs> Funny you would mention that. I get a distinctly Warrensy vibe on this one. Fascinating piece of Victorian-era Australian history that has been fashioned into a creepy B&B. Um, also tur- that, yes. A dinner, bed, and breakfast tour is $195 a night oh my per God. person. To that end, I'm surprised. It does, that does sound like a racket. Yeah. It does. I was just going to say to that end, I'm surprised they haven't provided as part of their offerings the recipe for the most haunted food ever, <laughs> which is, of course, the sandwich. Combining sweet and savory can work in a lot of different scenarios, but the French toast kind of outer part of the... I, I just don't care for Monte Cristo sandwiches. Oh, point. the Monte Cristo sandwich? Yeah. Good Lord. What were you thinking I was talking about? <laughs> I just thought sandwiches in general. Oh, I see. Makes sense. Can't believe the French have a sandwich named for a hotel in Australia. Little Beth, let's look at reviews. Little Beth. <laughs> Ostensibly, this place is supposed to be spooky, correct? Uh-huh. Little Little Beth reviewed this one <laughs> week ago. I just love the name Little Beth. <laughs> With an F? With an F. L I L B E F. Excellent. Little Beth. Little Beth. She reviewed it or he one week ago. The date of the experience was September 2018. The title, The Most Delightfully Spooky Getaway. I went there many years ago for the tour and sleepover. (laughs) Honestly, without a word of lie, it was the best night's sleep I've ever had, even to this day. The owners were so lovely and welcoming. Delicious home-cooked dinner and, for dessert, a ghost tour. (laughs) The tour guides were amazing and quite amusing. I found the historical aspect far more interesting than the possibility of ghosts and ghoulies. It's a genuinely stunning property with a dark and sad past. I have to say the highlight was the resident cat who followed me around the property and sat on my lap for the remainder of the evening while we all sat around chatting. I highly recommend Monte Cristo to anybody looking for a little getaway with a twist. Well, see, I was ready to shit on them for having a racket as far as like, oh, it's haunted. You got to come here for a ton of money. But that person said, oh, I just enjoyed the history of it and stuff. That was pretty a cool tour, like learning about the past in this place. That's kind of neat as far as if they have a lot of factual stuff in addition to some ghost stories. I agree. Concerning that they would describe it as many years ago when they literally went last year. <laughs> Let's see what Shazza 1985 has to say, who reviewed this in March 19 or on March 19, 2019, after having gone March 2019. Reviewing it from his hotel room there. Yeah. 
title of the uh, review is Fake. <laughs> the buildings are old, but that's where the history stops. The owners have done well marketing this place, but in reality, there is no real history. It's filthy and overpriced. The scariest part was the owner herself. Oh. End of review. Jesus I Christ. I got to say, damn. That is pretty tough. I am guessing the truth lies somewhere in the in middle. Between, <laughs> much like the cheesy, hammy goodness of a Monte Cristo sandwich. And we are done. Thank you, everyone. We've made it around the world. And now we can return home to New Hampshire sweet, and all and New Maine. Hampshire and Maine seacoast area. Uh, yeah, no, thank you guys for joining us for this month-long kind of experiment and trying to find stories in different places we haven't tried before. Yes. Or in ways we haven't tried. Uh, we will definitely, of course, be exploring much more of what the world has to offer all around because it's just very cool. Yes, indeed. Coming up in September, you will not be hearing quite as much of us because we're going to go bi-weekly. There'll be two we episodes are. in September. It turns out busy as hell. And we want to be ready for October. Which is going to be so good. It's going to blow your mind's ass. <laughs> we have so much cool stuff prepared for it. It's going to be a full <laughs> month of awesomeness. So we need one, you know, kind of a hay month if you will, uh, in preparation for that. Yes. And that, those two episodes you'll get in September will be another super superstitious special report. report. <laughs> and we'll be going to uh, the movies, as it were. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't look up what it's going to be. We're doing creature feature type Hollywood <laughs> yeah. stuff and uh, looking at that. There we go. So, <laughs> buckle up, baby. And thank you for listening. Do check us out on Patreon. Do review us on Apple Podcasts. And do stay tuned for more. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.